as the old year draws to its midnight close, and with it goes all that I've wished. It makes me hate that I'm sitting here straight, for I know that I should be pissed. I press the button on the pod machine, and the piggy mangpod starts, overthinking and sharing the drinking and swearing from three old middle-aged farts. So get off your ass and raise a glass, for good times you won't come unstuck. And it won't be long till they get some stuff wrong. Yes, the mount boys do not give up fuck. Mount boys do not give up fuck. Mount boys do not give up fuck. How much of this is the act? And yeah. how much of this is him yeah. about to finish it all? There's a guy on the uh, on the edge of the table with the gold paper hat looking disappointed like he's bought two cyanide pills off a runner and they turned out to be aspirin. Yes. I would like to point out Moira's dress. Uh, that dress is from space. We uh-huh. did not have that sartorial technology on this planet in 1984. <laughs> and I walked up three doors to the house that had lights on, knocked the door and went, Happy New Year, and got, Fuck, do you want? And the door shut. <laughs> Happy New Year. Exit, stage left. Are you all right? Hello and welcome to the annual Hogmanay extravaganza from the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour. I'm Dr Velvet. I'm Blackout. And we're here because someone who shall remain nameless has used producer Ken's Jemima Show Investigates DVDs as drinks coasters and the whole place is about to fucking lift. Joining us tonight is a man who not only sang backing vocals on the Ethel Merman disco album, but actually purchased a copy into the bargain. It's Mr. Ozzy Bognops. Gentlemen, thank you very much. I do. Great introduction. I do. And I'd actually purchased two copies because I used one as a cheese platter. Nice. Nice. Very good. Very good indeed. All right. As always, We'll be counting down to the new year here in the studio. And, as always, we'd love you to join in with us at home. And, as usual, we can't see into the future, so we've asked our cybernetic studio assistant, Arse, to calculate the length of the podcast and let you know when you should press play on the very start of this podcast if you want to sync with the Midnight Countdown. So, Arse, as usual, if our listener wants to stop this and sync with the Midnight Countdown... When should they press play again on the very start of this podcast? Why, that's easy. Calculating. 11 minutes past 11 hours and 39 seconds. Did I hear you right? Well, I certainly pronounced it right. I said, 11 minutes past 11 o'clock at night and some 39 seconds. Push start then. Smashing. Thanks, us. Welcome. And Mr. Bognops, you're out there in the port fort. But where in the world have you pitched it up? Well, today I have hitched to a post not very far away from Garsching Partenkirchen in a delightful little German town that appears to be called Wank. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So now that's out the way, over to Blackout. Yes, hoots Monty you all, and thank you for dropping into our new resolutional critique of Hogmanay Television, where Britain's best-loved battle axe is never far from the list of things, because here... All roads will lead to the mountain. 
If you go over to PeggyManPod.com, info for the episode with discussions in the show notes. You can find us on the socials, get in touch to say hello, or ask us why we haven't broken all of our resolutions yet. Before we walk into a room, completely forget why we went there and instead just wait impatiently for someone to hand us whiskey, gentlemen, I've got to ask, what are we going to drink first? Well, I've got on ridiculous here. As usual. I, I deserve to treat myself because I'm mint. Yeah? So I'm drinking Royal Salute 21-year-old Scotch whiskey from Fortnum's. OK. You like the Fortnum stuff, don't you? I really do. This was launched in 1953 for Her Majesty's coronation, and, to be quite honest, I think this bottle was in the vestry on the day. Bugger my. <laughs> you, Ozzy? Beer. Shut up. I beg your pardon? I am having the beer, because Wank has no port, and it has no port. So the fort is devoid of the port. So I am having a bottle of Erdinger Weissbier. Never in all my puff. Good Lord, that literally is wank. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on here? All right, okay, fair play, fair play. Is it all right? What's it like? It's very nice, very wheaty, and it's very viscous, and it's going down a treat, and it's bottle number four. There you go. Fair. Mr Blackout? Well, as you know... I'm of Caledonian blood myself. I like to take our annual excursions north of the wall to uh, to celebrate in the metaphorical footsteps of my ancestors, immerse myself joyously but respectfully in their culture and tradition. So tonight, I've got a bottle of Bugfast and four cans of Tenants. Hey, man! Couple of scotch pies to dip in? Hell yeah. Good lad. That's the boy. All right. Onward to Octorada, gentlemen, for one of the biggest gigs a television channel can hope to host each year. After months of meticulous planning, writing, casting, rehearsing... The what? Forget all that? Okay then. Let's just go live into 85. That's the pipes and drums of British Caledonian Airways, and this is Tom O'Connor outside the lovely Glen Eagles Hotel. Actually, out here, it's quite cold. It's cold enough to freeze the bagpipes to your ribcage, but inside, the atmosphere is really warm, and so is the welcome. So why don't you join us as we bring in the new year? Come on in. The year the BBC killed Hogmanay. This live broadcast, which began at 20 to midnight on New Year's Eve from the Glen Eagles Hotel near Perth, was dogged by poor planning from its very conception, and this ethos carried its way effortlessly to the screen. Whether it was the booker's decision to secure a prestigious hotel as a venue, but not exclusively, meaning that every shot has members of the public milling around in the background while the floor manager is powerless to stop them, or the overall combination of a lack of rehearsal time paired with seasoned performers drawn beforehand to a free bar, this really is a sight to tell your therapist about. Fronted by an increasingly terrified Tom O'Connor, he's joined by our favourite New Year stalwarts, Bill Torrance, Moira Anderson and Maggie Moon. And if all of this seems reassuringly comforting, let's throw in some baffling, indeed baffled performances from Modern Romance, John Grieve and Chick Murray to really bring the night to its knees. As the clock strikes 12, you'll be praying for a chance to start again. (laughs) 
Now, chaps, before we get as out of control as the audience is here, I'm going to ask this. Does this New Year's Eve hold any memories for anyone? Can you remember, for example, seeing this on the box? Me, no. Me, also no. The first time I came to know this piece was when a section of it was put on to TV Hell Night on BBC Two in the early 90s. Fair, yeah, fair. fair. I, I, don't, I don't remember it either. Do you remember what you were doing? Uh, 84, going into 85 for that new year? We would be, what would we be, 11, 12? What, are you, what were you doing? Now, you see, we were definitely like a BBC house when it came to festive programming. Same. But I can't remember if I was staying up for midnight at New Year at this point. This might just have been before that tradition began. So I was probably a good boy in bed. I was up because my parents had the mates around and it was a case of... And our village was rather lovely back then and we would spend some time in our house till the clock went bing bong and off we went round to other people's houses. There were all that going on in those days and there was me loving every minute of it as a 10 year, 11 year old mm-hmm. uh, because I was up till four in the morning going round people's houses and listening intently to the village gossip as the drunken tongues wagged. Yes. <laughs> it was great. Uh, yeah, Mr Pognops? Mine was quite a um, restrained quiet new year i certainly remember we ebbed and flowed with staying up and not staying up um even if we stayed up until midnight chances are we put the telly off the moment the bells chimed uh and my mother would launch into the one glass of sherry she'd have a year and then we'd all go to bed so it Amazing. was. There was no sort of. The thing was, I used to think, oh, maybe I'll go on first foot. Well, there wasn't a coal fire for a marshal to breakfast uh, in our village. So I had, I think, um, a slice of bread, and I think I had a, a, a miniature of a cherry bee. I think it was. And I walked <laughs> up three doors to the house that had lights on, knocked the door, and went Happy New Year, and got. Fuck do you want? And the door shut. <laughs> Happy New Year. When did we stumble into Dickens? <laughs> one year between us, gentlemen, but it's a quite significant oh, one. Amazing. God almighty. Amazing. Anyway, so for those who did tune in to this, uh, <clears throat> how can I put it, spectacle, we start with Tom O'Connor, who... In a moment of confusion by BBC Wardrobe, has been given Pat Troughton's fur coat from the Doctor Who story, The Abominable Snowman. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I'm just waiting for Cybermen to be serving the sherry. I was expecting it to eat him. (laughs) A double-breasted fur coat in oil tanker grey. He looks like the pastiest pimp you ever saw. Can I also drop in at this point the Radio Times listing for this evening of wonderment? Oh, come on, let's have it. Quote... Glen Eagles Hotel, in the heart of Scotland, is the sparkling location for this year's party. It's beginning right now, so join in the celebrations in true traditional style. Horseshit. I put that I think in. that's an entirely fair thing to write before it's happened. That is fine. Yes. 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 It's <laughs> fucking months before it happened, I think. <laughs> yes. Yes. Tom gives his intro, we cut to the ballroom, which is rammed to the rafters with the local hoi polloi. Ah, My God. Yeah, it is. And here she comes to start the night off, the Sunday Post reader's favourite ringtone. Yes, indeed, it's Moira Anderson. And she steps down the stairs to a wonderful orchestral introduction and then starts the song five beats per minute slower than the band is. And the band have to play Chase Miss Anderson. 
Yes, they do. She She's singing at the speed it should be sung at. The speed she's going to sing it at. There's no argument with Moira. No argument. The audience, they're clapping along like Moira's a turn at the fucking bingo. And I'm like, show some respect, you heathens. This is your queen. And have we discovered that, in fact, in a budget-cutting oversight, the BBC neglected to buy all the tickets for the New Year's dinner at Glen Eagles Hotel that night? Yeah. That's right. The the locals are actually in there. There yeah. are people there who were not invited. Yep. Including a small boy wearing a party hat with silly string on it, and he looks bored to fucking tears. <laughs> more importantly, it's not mostly they weren't invited. It's more that they're going to go along and not give a fuck about what else is going on. Yeah. Their, their night is their night is not going to be spoiled by the cameras. Not at all. Not it, at it, all. If anyone's going to spoil the night, it's their faces. Yes, I would like to point out Moira's dress. Uh, that dress is from space. We uh-huh. did not have that sartorial technology on this planet in 1984. <laughs> no, 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 doctor, doctor, we did, we did, but in miniature form around toilet rolls. Well, uh, right, fair. <laughs> I'm just going to say it again. I'm slightly in love with Moira Anderson. There we go. There we have it. That's it. That's the end of it. Oh, oh she's with you 100%. She's Absolutely. She shows her affinity to Scotland to this day by living on the Isle of Man. There we go. Yes. <laughs> Uh, then the, uh, then there comes the other half of the double act. Bill Torrance, Boom. Scotland's Jeremy Beadle, arrives. Boom. <laughs> Bill comes in on the second verse of the song. Obviously, he's, uh, he's wearing a kilt. He's got this chocolate brown shirt on, which, when you combine it with his unkempt beard and a scraped over hair, f- from the sort of the waist up, it makes him look like a side character on Nightmare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now, gents, there's a big chapter heading here that I'd like to bring up at this very point. Um, mm. Recently, we were introduced to the Chaz and the Dave and their Christmas knees up from 1982, which yeah. was directed by one Alistair McMillan. Correct. Mm. Live into 85 was directed by Alistair McMillan. Of course it fucking was. Of course it fucking was. Some people will never <laughs> learn. And we have the same kind of vignette cuts to various faces and during and during Bill Torrance's song there is a woman with a fantastic feather hat Christ yes (laughs) yes she thinks she's at Pirates of the Caribbean she really does I bet she's the funny one in the local ladies choir when they do jingle bells she plays the jingle bells and wears dealy boppers I bet she's a hoot on two glasses of cherry bee mind you speaking of funny we cut to we we Cue a link to, from O'Connor. Uh, he's opted, by the way, for a plum red tuxedo this eve. He has. With he a has. sparkly waistcoat, which I adore. Yes, I uh, 10 out of 10 for the outfit, absolutely. Throughout this link, Moira tries her hand at comedy. And oh. I don't know if you noticed, I don't know if you noticed, but somebody actually falls on a sword at the point just after she delivers the punchline. <laughs> just I watch. Think, yeah. When you I say think somebody, it, do you mean the entire audience? Yes. Yeah, I you had wondered that there were two very sartorially elegant Scots gents in their kilts running at the back of shot, clearly for a slash. Um, and, you know, wherever you be, let the wind roam free. And I think they'd gone out and accidentally pissed against the pipe band who was standing outside. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I think Moira, for obvious reasons, really needs to stick to the singing. Not because of the shit joke she's been handed, but 
because in doing the link, she's popping into that microphone like a fucking beatboxer. <laughs> it, no, she was trying a new sound. Okay. And BBC documents released fairly recently found out that the monitor speakers for singers to hear the track were miniature ones placed under all of the tables. Yes. What they hadn't allowed for was a load of shit-faced locals talking all the way through. So they couldn't hear. <laughs> we move on to the next section. Dancers. Of yep. course they're going to have course. dancers. Call it by now, its name. Go on. Fucking Scottish, fucking country, fucking dancing. To give it its full I name. I need yes. therapy for this shit. It's like reliving a car crash. I like it, mate. I, I'm, I'm with Dr. Velvet on this. I suspect the floor's a bit too small for the routine they devised, so they yes. essentially do the skipping up and down dance twice. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think they rehearsed in Wembley Stadium and hadn't, hadn't allowed. But, um, yeah, while the dancers were on, I really did get a sense of being there. Total immersion. And that's because the waiting staff kept walking into shot and blocking me view. Absolutely. <laughs> Again, they were not part of the non-existent rehearsals. They're just trying to do their fucking job. Yeah, 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 they it's, are. No, it's entirely absolutely. down to the camera crew standing in the wrong place. But who the fuck's serving dessert at ten to midnight? This should have been finished. There's a bunch of pissed up people who've got the munchies. Yeah, yeah there's a, well, there's well, a well, sizable well. amount of pissed up people doing things I wouldn't want to do at ten to midnight, like being in the swimming pool, which we'll come to in a bit. Do you know how difficult it is to get 300 deep-fried Mars bars out at 8pm? Oh, my God. Are you speaking from experience, Blackout? <laughs> Trust me, I've he been is. There enough. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Things are getting a little excited, and we don't want to peak too early, so let's bring it down and bring on Maggie Moon singing a song with all the musical engagement of a supermarket checkout conveyor belt. Indeed, wearing a dress that looks like it's hitched into a knickers and a backing track to match. Yeah. See, I don't know what you two got against her this i knew this. i knew <laughs> yeah damn right i you knew, knew he would like this this is it's not as good as last year's but this is what the dads have come here for and moon does not disappoint but gentlemen yeah, we you... did we did the scottish <laughs> christmas the scottish new year party last year and yeah. my recollection is she sang a song outrageously similar to this i reckon the band just turned the music sheets upside down went oh fuck it that'll do yeah, that's why she's been booked. <laughs> she does a verse in the middle of the dance floor, then wanders off to one side, oh, starts, yes. touching, starts touching up this middle-aged man, and then, then looks surprised when he thinks he's pulled. Now, she doesn't touch him up. He, the highlight of this whole segment, yeah. is Tom Selleck's dad staring at disbelief at the slits in her skirt. It is amazing. It is amazing that this guy is basically trying to look up her dress. He knows that he's on camera. He doesn't care. Then, he doesn't care. In the next shot, he gestures to his mate on the other side of the table, pointing at her. Yeah. Somehow unaware that the entire country might be watching. <laughs> and also, the other person watching, according to a well-thumbed document on the internet about this programme and the background behind it, was Maggie Moon's husband, who was standing off stage, saying, looking at the monitor, I'll kill him. Marvellous. <laughs> Happy New Year, everybody. And pull your dress out your knickers, pet. Fantastic stuff. Brilliant. Amazing. So that's ended. Tom does the link into the next section. Surprisingly, Tom has decided tonight not to do any comedy. Um, <laughs> see, mind, are you looking at my note? Can you see my note from where you are? Right. Um, he is shite here. 
I'm going to be Proper. very, very controversial here and actually say I'm on Team Tom because he's trying his best to pull an ocean liner out of a dock yes. by himself. That is what he's trying to do. But at this point, this is the stuff that's scripted. This is before he'd start to ad-lib, surely. Yeah. No, no, Tom is a veteran comedian. I have total respect for Tom O'Connor. Love yeah, the man. Yeah, Love yeah. the man. And he is, uh, yeah... Bognops, he's he's doing his best. He's doing his best. I happen to know that prior to this, he went absolutely acker because on discussion of the event, it had been discovered that nobody had bothered to pre-record some segments that could be thrown in in case anything went wrong. And at right. his insistence, they had to do that because the man is professional to the hilt. Yeah. So I do not envy the mammoth task that, that this man has been handed. No writer is credited. No, no, and indeed not. Anyway, we think that's bad. <laughs> Cue John Grieve. Here we go. The first wheel comes off now. Now, John Grieve, um, at the time, I, whilst I didn't watch this programme, I knew of John Grieve for two reasons. We had the record of this song stroke recitation mm -hmm. stroke whatever it was on Beautiful. a single and we yeah. also had i knew that he was on parahandy because me mam liked it me grandma liked it uh -huh. um, mm -hmm. he'd been on parahandy now this it was hoary old material then and he used it every year and whenever he was booked this is the same thing he did so you would expect it to be familiar, you'd expect it to be warm, comfortable, something he was his go-to, he could literally just carry it this off is, this and is precisely enjoy it. it. You, this is why you book him, this is his turn. He should be better Absolutely. than anybody in the building. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. But, but, as rumour would have it, the man was mortal drunk. He's there, I'm, yeah, I'm just like, he's either hammered or he's having an existential breakdown. Possibly both? Yeah. Let's set up the scene. He cut to him, sat at a table. Uh, there's two girls either side of him who, quite frankly, look like they're at, they're at knife point. Yes. Um, yeah. And he starts and he hits the line, I know I shouldn't be gay. And then he starts to laugh. And then he starts... And I think that's, uh, as I'm sure you did, I thought it was part of the act. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. much of this, I'm like, is this the act? Yeah. <laughs> and... Oh no, as we realise, the man has dried. As New Year's Eve approaches, I grow sadder every day. It makes me mad that I get sad, for I know I should be gay. I know I should be gay. <laughs> oh dear, my way. I'll start again. <laughs> as New Year's Eve approaches, I grow sadder every day. It makes me mad that I get sad, for I know I should be gay. Yes? It makes me mad that I get sad, for I know I should be gay. Next slide. Here we go. I get lost in contemplation for the coming celebration. The, di the director... The director, in his wisdom, then cuts to shots of the bemused audience as if to accentuate the yes. palpable awkwardness yes. that's yes. going on in the room. Yeah. And then we hear a voice off camera, <gasps> next well, him, next line. And then, to be fair, once he's given that line, 
He's off and delivers. But nobody... I mean, he gives a spectacular performance after that, but no-one is going to remember anything but those first 30 seconds. The problem is, as the performance goes on and he gets more and more sort of emotional and distraught and melancholy, again, you're like, how much of this is the act and yeah. how much of this is him yeah. about to finish it all? There's a guy on the, uh, on the edge of the table with the gold paper hat... Looking disappointed like he's bought two cyanide pills off a runner and they turned out to be aspirin. Yes. Yes. Now, we have to acknowledge something at this point, which I would, having, you know, played the thumb piano at the Pig and Pikelet in Oswestry, um, as an accompanist of people who like to do these recitations, um, something you dread, which is the fact that he's clearly not finding his note because he's shit scared. So mm. at this point, the pianist in the orchestra decides to hit the note A440 with a fucking Melhammer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's and then and then with his other hand, he's just holding up a flag saying, This is you. Well, yes, and saying <laughs> go twat. So he then starts, and do we did we notice, gentlemen, that the accompaniment just fades out? It literally stops because the poor pianist has absolutely no clue how to help, how not to help. When And so occasionally he'll come back in and go, OK, this is the join, this is the join. No point. It just peters out to nothing. So they just wait and they play the last three bars and that's it. My the pianist, God. The pianist has shat themselves and have to leave the room. One thing that pianist could have done to help, and it's pour petrol over himself, set himself alight, <laughs> and snog John Grieve. That's the only yeah. thing that would have got him out of that. There was one alternative, which is literally to drop the piano on John Grieve. That would be the only yes, one. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, the rest of the the rest of the table's collateral damage. Then cut to Tom O'Connor, uh, who is somewhere else. We don't know where yet, but he sounds like he's been bricked up in a wall. He's delivering, <laughs> he's delivering his heart out. But this may as well be give us a clue. Um, and I know why they've kept the sound low because of the echo in the pool area, which is where they are. They're in the ex- executive pool area. Yeah. But yeah, what's the yeah. worst of two evils here? My goodness me, why the pool? I don't know why they've done this. What what's awaiting us? Well. For a start, we're told, just before the musical act is introduced, we're told that the synchronised swimming team are rehearsed... Synchronised swimming? Quite. Quite. I was under the impression this was a joke. Which in turn... Yeah, because I'm watching and thinking, was it a joke or not a joke? Because either way, it's not working for reasons I'll go into. Whose brandy fuel suggestion was that at the September planning meeting? I That's have insane. seen. If you look carefully, there are nose clips. Yeah, there you go. We've got the pop band Modern Romance. You might know this band from their song "Best Years of Our Lives," which Whoa. is just as well because here they are singing "Best Years of Our Lives," their song. That's right. Their one right. song. Yep. Now, no. Before we start, aye, 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 moosey. Moosey. before we, now, the mullets here are a thing of mythical fucking beauty. The oh. lustrous nature of the hair is yes. fucking textbook. I am yes. in love with this band. There are many things. There are many things to discuss about this. Yeah. First up, I mean, I, I did. I loved modern romance back in the day. What yeah. a shame for this particular performance that the track. 
that they're performing, which is best years of our lives, mm -hmm. they've been given to mine too. Yes. Uh, and the playback is coming through the headphones of someone's Matsui personal cassette player. Yes. It is. And also, it only four-fifths of the fucking band have bothered to turn up. <laughs> ah, I know what you're referring to. No, 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 no. You're referring to the fact... Now, I think you have been misinformed here because it is, in fact, a special guest appearance by Claude Rains on the trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> Must be. Musically, they're like a style which could best be described as tuxedo mariachi. This yeah, has right. like a, a very summer feel to it. So, obviously, yep. they've accepted a booking in December. This band had a single which got to number four in the UK charts only two months earlier... And someone has decided not to put them in the ballroom where the 300 people are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is insane. Yeah. But also, as I said earlier, gentlemen, I mean, get in the pool. What? Get in the pool. Ma'am, it's quarter to 12. Get in the bloody pool. You're going to be on uh -huh. the telly. Get in yeah, the pool. Yeah. And the floor crew must really be struggling. In fact, the two heroes in this entire uh, disaster of a programme are Douglas Wernham and Jill Welsh, the two floor managers who are clearly struggling to help Tom O'Connor pull that ship out the dock. Yeah. <laughs> when you say struggling, you mean failing, but yes. Well, <laughs> struggling and then failing. I'm pleased you mentioned that because, yes, we go back again to a link to Tom O'Connor, who again refuses to do comedy and goes for drama, um, to introduce Bill Torrance is back. And he is serenading a, a, a lady who can only be described as Gloria Hunniford after eating a hammock of cake. She looks like she could bite a nail in half. She's yep, terrifying. Absolutely. <laughs> O'Connor's link to Bill Torrance did make me wonder that the special sparkly waistcoat that he was beautifully modelling had special loops for him to put his his thumbs in because thumbs yeah. in the waistcoat was uh -huh. 1980s BBC light entertainment. Unfortunately, yeah. he was trying to show this waistcoat off in his traditional professional style to an audience of Scottish Trappist monks. <laughs> yeah? They were probably just stunned. That waistcoat was setting off my visual tinnitus. <laughs> When I close my eyes, I can still see it. Yeah. Yeah. What made it worse was then they cut to another ball-shaped head, which was a young kid who we also saw at the beginning wearing a sort of party hat festooned with masses of silly string with eyes that say, Dad, I want to go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I've been allowed so. to stay up and now I'm regretting it. Yeah. Yes. And Alistair McMillan has said, nail the bastard to the seat. Yeah. You've got two options. Yeah. You're on the telly, shut up. So the woman that I was referring to earlier, uh, she steals the show. Uh, she doesn't know where to put her face, uh -huh. so therefore gives the cameraman a stare that could raise the dead uh -huh. before, <laughs> before that absolute moment. Yes, indeed, folks, it's the last dance. Oh, before, before we get to the last dance, mm. Tom O'Connor starts speaking, they haven't switched his mic on, which at this the point is probably the wisest decision that's been made all night. Yes, yes, very much so. Well, <laughs> for him as well, I think. It's, it's wise in this case, because when they do start the last dance of 1984, it's like a fucking wake. Isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> no, it's like Oxford Street on Christmas Eve. Nobody can move, yeah. nobody bothers. Yeah. Tom, Tom gets to dance with Moira Anderson. 
while John Grieve, he's there floating around the floor like the ghost of fun. Yes, isn't he? <laughs> Basically, he's he's trying to sneak out for a piss and got caught. I think he's looking oh. for his taxi. But it looks like Tom and Moira are, whilst their mics are not on at this point, you can't help wondering if they're mouthing to one another, what the fuck, this is death. What are we going to do? How yep. do we get out of this? And the camera swoops away. 100% yep. this. The sound dies down. We fade to an exterior shot. And f- for a long moment, you think you're about to get a voiceover announcing that everyone in the building died that night. Yes. <laughs> and they just fade it to black. Like Tom, like uh, Paul Daniels in the Iron Maiden, literally that. It's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting transition, isn't it? Yes. Um, we get, we get the music's going, and the chimes are mixed into the the little waltz that we had. Now, I've seen footage in the gallery of how they did this, and the way they mixed the two sounds in, uh, they did that simply by kicking the fucking desk. <laughs> And Alistair McMillan finally got his headphones and his and his uh, feed mic working again, mm. and shouted, "Cue the fucking band! Uh, we don't know yeah. where to go. Just fucking go inside and go out again." But I it's love cold it. out I there. I love it. We're still outside. We've got a full pipe band. We see him marching through the front doors of the Glen Eagles Hotel. They're playing "Scotland the Brave," as you would. Indeed. About a, about a full minute and a half later, they get to the ballroom, then they march in, through, and out the other fucking side without stopping, which is the second wisest decision of the evening. <laughs> yes. Although, it's a yes. quite interesting point, gentlemen, because I read somewhere, I think it was in that uh, article we've all mined about this, which is the band didn't really want to go back outside because it was about four degrees when the programme started and it was probably, you know, all glacial matter had stopped at that point. Yes. So yes. so yes. they wanted to stay in where it was warm. Uh-huh. So they go through the doors and then it's like hell's a popping. They can't get through the doors because the guys in front have stopped. I'm glad you said those words, hell's a popping, because <laughs> they're playing Scotland the Brave. Not that you can hear them because nope. either the general public haven't got the fucking sense they were born with to stop popping the fucking balloons during a live TV transmission, yeah. or there's a siege happening outside the hotel. God almighty. Yeah. The person you see most at that time when the balloons are popping is the floor manager with his Bakelite headphones on, staring terrified into the camera, trying to duck out the shot, and they keep finding him. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of unwarranted emotion in front of the camera, ladies and gentlemen, Chick Murray. Here we go. No sooner, no sooner have the pipers fucked off towards the makeshift bar in the back of the kitchen. Now, gents, we have have form with comedians who come on and do a sort of act. 
you know, Hector yes. Nickel did the uh, the yeah, Scottish yeah. television yeah. one, and we had Hector Nickel, I think, in the other that's the other BBC one we did last year. So you know, he's quite famous, he's quite clear, and apparently they tried to get Billy Connolly, who refused, um, and in the end. They got Chick Murray, who was Mr. Scottish Comedy, him, Ricky yeah, Ford, and yeah. Billy Connolly. But Chick Murray was not a well man, and he didn't handle live television very well. Apparently, he True. was on a live thing halfway through the previous year, and it was a disaster, but it wasn't okay. BBC. Aha. Um, so, Chick Murray the strolls best one on. In the world, I'm not sure how much we can blame the guy for what happens now. Not at all. You know, really, you, you, kind, of, you kind of can't. Yeah, he saunters in. Past the pipe band. Smiling. Remember <laughs> yeah. that. Takes his mark. Takes his mark in the middle of the dance floor. Then he waits for an imaginary director to give him up to begin. And he waits. Then he takes his actual mark on the other side of the dance floor. Then just starts chatting to people around him like this isn't live television. Like he's not yes. currently the only thing on BBC One. Yes. Because yes. he, he has no clue. He even says, well, there's no cameras on me. There's no cameras. He's looking into one. Yeah, but yeah. Indeed. No, he says this. As it switches from one camera to the other, both of which are on him. Yeah. Very much. There are four cameras on him if you look at the angles. Oh, utter chaos. Yes, I'm over there. I'm in the tall grass. I didn't see you. Yes. I've got to give this away first. I can't, they can't, there's no cameras on me. All right, all right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, they're all listening to me now. I don't know what was happening. This is, uh, somebody stole a bottle of whiskey. I don't know what happened, but somebody's away with the whiskey. I'm, t I'm telling you now, <laughs> I would sell my soul for a recording of the talkback in that gallery that night. Utter meltdown <laughs> at this point. I think that the van parked outside was glowing red. I like where he's giving out his first foot gifts and he goes... That's a piece of black bun. I don't know what that is. Well, if you don't chick, I'm pretty fucking sure no one else in the room is going to have a clue either. Yeah. <laughs> My God. He gets given a glass of something from a chap at the table. I think it's wine. Takes two steps away, back into the dance floor. Then just stands shaking his head and glaring at Tom O'Connor. Yes. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. It is. It is. Then you <clears> just know the floor manager is screaming for O'Connor <laughs> to get on. And so yeah. Tom is ushered in to do a fill-in link with absolutely no prep whatsoever. Yep. So yeah. he am, am, ambles forward, uh, doesn't do any comedy. Yep. That's all right, because at this point, no-one's listening either. Correct. Well, <laughs> correct. <laughs> no, one know, no one knows what he's doing. No-one in the room is paying the slightest bit of attention to him. No. But he now he's sweating now. Yes. You can see it. Yeah. Oh, he is yes. really sweating. He yes. really is. Moira is then wheeled back on. Uh -huh. No, hang on a sec. Moira is wheeled back on. Tom O'Connor literally reverses out of shot, and the orchestration sounds like reverse sensors. <laughs> I'm glad you say that, because I don't know whether it was my whiskey kicking in at the time, or is Moira singing backward masking? She's furious. I no. couldn't understand her. Fucking word that that woman was saying. If you run her vocals backwards, she's going... 
Why the fuck am I still here, you absolute <laughs> bastard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is prowling around that dance floor like Mumra, who's been woken up two hours earlier than he asked for. She's still singing behind the band because the sp- she can't hear the speakers because everybody's having a chat. Trappist monks who've now decided to talk to other Trappist monks and the speakers under the tables are clearly not giving enough level, so she just powers on like the <laughs> trooper she is and the band plays Hunt Miss Anderson. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and just when you think, do you know what? Let's let's show, you know, we're showing Scotland at its best. The best thing to do is we have a, a fantastic array of amazing Scottish comedic talent in this country. Let's get the very very best. Let's throw lots of money at it. Unfortunately, they fucking didn't and got two people called Buff Hardy and Stephen Robertson. We've got a thing that looked like it might have been rehearsed. Let's put them on. Together, Yeah, they are an act called Scotland the What? Which mm-hmm. even Tom and Moira managed to fucking fluff the intro to that. Where he'd like, they're reading the words yes. and it doesn't work. The timing's just wrong. Okay, fine, whatever. And then what we get is effectively a sort of a gentle review act full of cultural mm-hmm. references which worked in 1985... And, and dialect have... punchlines that never worked any time ever. Yeah, and all of what they do would have evaporated from the social consciousness by 1986. Fair fucking play to them for it's still going on at this point in the night. Because any yes. other act will have just been out of the fucking door when the chimes went. Now, there's a point here, gents, that I want to question. The jokes are all about Aberdeenshire. Glen Eagles is not in Aberdeenshire. The dialect jokes... Um, one of them, whether it's Buff or Steve, um, has to anglicise the punchlines to some of them because it's yeah. quite clear that, you know, it's almost like having Bobby Thompson, the great Geordie comedian, and having, you know, Thomas Connor stand next to him and say, yes, I think you're absolutely right. If she dropped her teeth as they weren't dropping pork sandwiches to get to the air raid shelter, <laughs> it would be brilliantly funny, wouldn't it? Yeah, you know, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, One yeah, of the yeah, major yeah. problems of the whole evening apparently occurred within the first 35 seconds of Tom O'Connor being in the ballroom. Apparently, the autocue simply stopped working. That's right. It, it was stuck nice. and they couldn't free it, and it was the old days of non-computer ones. It was literally a roll of paper, and they yeah. couldn't make it work. I like the bit it, where Steve Robinson makes a joke about England being shit at football, and then the pair of them, there's something like a 35-minute gap where they wait for the laugh. Yeah. Yes. And it finally lands and they're just like, exactly oh, yeah, this is Scotland, isn't it? We can laugh at that, yes. <laughs> the best part of this segment features, like, a young man in the audience, and he's, sort of, he's standing there. He's standing. He's not sort of seated. But he's holding, like, a... So, like, you know, when you put, like, whiskey in a, in a wine glass. Oh, is this the ginger 12-year-old drinking whiskey? Well, basically, yeah, there's a, there's a 12-year-old necking whiskey, and then there's a lass who's even younger necking the last of a glass of wine. I have never felt so proud to have Scottish blood. There you go. You know, to hell with the French. You know, the French drink the wine young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Scots had that had yeah, that yeah. case a long time before. So we're a good way into the show so far. I'm just getting into it, getting into my stride. And then the plug's pulled. Literally the plug's that. pulled because it's in the middle of more Scottish country dancing. Yeah. It's off the air. That, that, that's nothing it, to do with the rest indeed. of the programme. That's just like someone in London going, <laughs> enough of this. Now, a, net, a little network point here, which came from the production notes, was um, the portion shown on BBC One outside Scotland comprised only the first 30 minutes or so. Then the plugs yeah. were pulled. 
BBC One Scotland had the complete programme, which was a fucking hour and six minutes of this. So maybe they did get the synchronised swimmers and modern romance being the synchronised swimmers and basically the whole place blowing up in a massive supernova and, you know, they're being, you know, the, the, the clearances again and all of a sudden this massive BBC or V band with cables trailing out the back said, right, lads, fucking back to London. Right, here's the thing. It exists somewhere. I guarantee you that at least one of our 12 listeners lives in Scotland, had a video in 1984 and taped this and has this. Send it to us. We'll do it for next year. I promise you. We will. Absolutely that. Yeah, we will. (gasps) The lost half. Yes, yes, we'll do that. All right. We've reached the end. I have a question for you, Mr Blackout. How many pegs will you pin to John Greaves' imaginary autocue? Well, much like Chick Murray... I have no words. Nine pegs. Right. There you go. All that's required. Mr Pognops, how many pegs will you clip to the bouffanted mullets of modern romance? Unlike Mr Blackout, for a fucking change, I have words. (laughs) I give one point for Tom O'Connor and I give one for it having to keep fucking going because there was nothing else they could do. An embarrassment for BBC Light Entertainment and Scotland as a country. And it took it back to local territory the following year. Very sad. Two pegs. What's happening here? Gosh. Let me be very clear. Eight of my nine pegs are for Maggie Moon. <laughs> Pervert. <laughs> of course they are. Dr Velvet. As a guest in the hotel or a viewer at home in 1984, I'd have loved the unbridled chaos of this, especially washed down with a few drams. This is unadulterated raw Scottish partridge. Beautiful. Nine out of nine. Oh, my God. There we have it. Am I the only person who watched this as a programme how I watched it through my fingers when I was 12 or 13? Am I the only one who's not trying to compare it to the present fucking day? Right? There you go. Don't let them end the year on. And so I need to ask you this, Mr Bognops. The question on every drunken reveller's overly used wine list is... How many steps... Will it take you to Gay Gordon up the mountains? 779,614. It's three, really. This utter shambles is helped on its way to televisual termination by John Grieve, who appeared in Ralph Thomas's version of The 39 Steps in the company of... Joan Hickson who was, of course, Miss Marple in Sleeping Murder, alongside John Ringham, who appeared in 1978's Stargazy on Zummerdown with... Peggy Mount. Now get hold of this. Nice. Nice. Thank you. And how about you, Doctor? How about you? Well... This absolute debacle is ushered into the Dignitas reception area by Chick Murray, who starred in 1967's Casino Royale next to David Niven, who rolled up on a 1956 edition of Film Fanfare with... McPeggy Moan. Yes, I do know what's happening. Ooh, that's niche. Niche. Splendid, splendid, splendid. Very niche, very niche. All right, Mr Blackout, how many Highland flings will it take you to forget your lines up the mountain? 
Well, this downright disaster is hosted by the grim reaper of light entertainment himself, Tom O'Connor, who appeared on three episodes of ITV's reminiscence show Tell Me Another with... Peggy Mount. All right, sissy, I'll bring your purse to Bloody you. Nora! Hell yeah. And that's that. And if I'm not mistaken, we are beautifully timed because I do believe we're about to hear the familiar chimes which will take us into the start of another new year. Gentlemen, the countdown. Ten. Nine. Eight. Seven. Six. Five. Four, three, two, one. Happy New Year! Happy New Year, Penny! Oh, yeah. Happy New Year! A good New Year to you! Keep smiling! Oh. oh, the climactic joy. Right, I'm off to puree some vodka with some jamboree biscuits. In the meantime, that's all I'd be bothered to do. In the meantime, Blackout's got your socials. Yes, thank you once again for dropping around. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email PeggyManPod at gmail.com. We are PeggyManPod on Twitter, Blue Sky, Facebook, Instagram. Five-star ratings, you know the drill. They're always welcome on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to us. Don't forget to go to PeggyManPod.com, check out the show notes for this, all of our other episodes, and to click through to our online emporium to look for things to buy with the money you got sellotaped inside a Christmas card from relatives that you'd never met, but apparently you've got to write them a thank you letter anyway. It's as simple as that. It really is. Mr. Ozzy Bognops, thank you so much once again for your contribution. Fantastic. And I am going to vetting next week and then I'm going to fugging. And to you, dear listener, whether you've listened to eight or 80 of our episodes, we thank you sincerely for joining us. And from all of us here at the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour, we wish you health, happiness and success in the new year. Which, incidentally, is when we'll be back with more of the same, but different. Until then, keep... Keep... Megan, no, I should be gay. The Peggy Mount Calamity Hour is a free podcast from iPool Media, which holds production copyright. Opinions and recollections expressed are not to be taken as fact. The title and credit music is by Dr. Velvet. Audio segments and television programs are presented for review and informational purposes only under fair use, and no ownership of these is claimed or implied by this show. For more information, visit PeggyMountPod.com. Pod producer Ken's microphone is turned off, but he says, How man, make it your resolution to eat six boiled eggs every day, 14 if it's a weekend. If you go to the bus at happy hour, they're on the bar and they're free as long as you're buying drinks. Don't get in there before me, mind. There, good deed done.